Shalom, 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 shalom. Shalom, evening, people of God. I believe you are all doing well. Shalom, evening, everybody. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Amen. I want to welcome all of you to the mountain of the Lord this evening, even as we journey through the scriptures. The Lord is about to help us, and every door that has been shut by the special grace and the mercy of the Lord. Every door that has been shut will be open in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I want to welcome everybody. You are welcome. You are welcome to the mountain of the Lord. And kindly tap the share button and invite all your friends and loved ones. Invite all your friends and loved ones. Everybody must be aware 
of that which the Lord has decided to release into our spirits this evening. So please tap the share button and invite all your friends. Don't be selfish. Send the link to all your friends on your WhatsApp group. Send the link to all your friends individually. Send it to all your friends, even your enemies. Let them join. Let them join. Let them join. Keep sharing. Keep sharing. Keep sharing. Somebody said, if you share one to only one WhatsApp group, you receive one one dollars. <laughs> My God, glory to Jesus! You know when people hear money, they they keep sharing. So when you say God is going to bless you, okay, they won't even share. And when they hear that God is going to give you money, if if you like, let me say, if you share, I'm going to give you five dollars right now. Ah, some people cry will become shareholders. May the Lord help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 All right, let's say a word of prayer right now. Eternal Father, we give you praise and the glory. We honor you for such a time as this in your presence. Thank you for your word. Says that this is the day the Lord has made. Therefore, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for making it possible, even to commune with your Spirit. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise and the honor in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We come before thee once again, O Lord, that you breathe upon us the breath of life, that anything that is dead in our souls will be energized in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. We pray for fresh grace. We pray for fresh favor, fresh oil upon our lives this evening. The Bible says that the entrance of thy word giveth light and giveth understanding unto the simple. For this reason we pray that the light, O God, of your word will shine abroad in our hearts in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Let the skills that have covered our eyes from beholding the beauty and the glory of your coming oh lord let those kings catch fire in jesus mighty name anything that the enemy has deceived us about if we are still wandering in the pool of deception mighty god show us mercy grant us the light of your revelation and cause us even to be disconnected from the deceptive ways of the enemy we know thou hast spoken and so shall it be, even in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. I want to welcome all of you to the mountain of the Lord. This is the mountain of the eagles. Here we encounter God in all dimensions. And we leave this place as eagles soaring into the higher dimensions of the heavens. Hallelujah. On this platform, the storms of life actually become the way that we walk through and move through. So get ready to mount up with wings as an eagle 
no matter the turbulences of life, the Lord will cause you to be strong in Jesus' precious mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, all right, all right, all right. Last, yesterday we entered into the scriptures and we began to decipher and decrypt what the Bible has told us about gates. And I believe that many of us, um, by the special grace of God, um, we have received a lot of truths from the Word of God. <laughs> Today, my sons don't understand the reason why I'm speaking, you know, this kind of English. You, you don't get it? Relax, okay? You know, the, the Lord is going to have mercy on all of you in the name of Jesus. That's why I've been telling you. You, you better eat good food, you know. It's okay, let's follow the word of God. My yes, laugh if you don't go grow up. Amen. Alright. But I'm going to say, 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 Alright, God bless you. <laughs> alright, alright. So we studied um, about gates last night or let me say yesterday it was an amazing experience even in the presence of the lord now i want to take time to um do a, a quick recap then i'm going to take us through the ones that the lord has prepared us to study and we are not going to finish everything because um, we have a whole lot of looking at the way the this whole teaching was supposed to be we were supposed to talk about one gate and pray then after we have been established in the knowledge and the revelation of that and have received the anointing and the power for that gate we now move to the next gate that is how the whole sermon was supposed to be according to the way I heard it from the Lord but because we are doing it on a teaching platform. Um, I'm supposed to help us understand these gates before we later pray. So get ready. God willing, next week um, we are going to pray. And um, we are believing God that our fasting too will start next week. Though the Lord has not given any word of... <laughs> yeah, so I'm still waiting on what the Lord will say so please get ready yeah i'm believing god that it will it will be next week mm. some of your stomachs have started bloating you need to fast at least god will help you you know whilst you are gaining spiritual strength your stomach will be reduced at least it will help you all right amen so we uh, okay so my son that kept prince i think the alarm the siren is actually sounding from your side when i spoke about um your protruded belly don't be worried it is called a prosperity act it is a sign that you have become prosperous in everything you do in life so don't be too worried 
Amen. The Lord will help you. Jesus mighty. Amen. All right. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, so you are not part. Oh, fine. Then let's move forward. All right, the Lord bless everybody and keep all of you strong in the name of the Lord Jesus. Yesterday we learned about gates. And the Lord helped us with understanding that gates are spiritual portals and places of authority where dominion is exercised. And the Lord helped us with a lot of explanations on how in the times of old, nations will build a wall around their entire city then in the midst of the walls they will build gates and close to these gates they will have what we call a tower but most of the nations that were highly spiritual they actually connected their towers to things that your focus will not be on so you go to a particular country and you realize that they might be worshipping a certain great idol. And that great idol has a river as an altar. So if they want to have connection and any kind of communication with that um, goddess or god, they have to go and connect to the river. So that river is actually going to be the tower. And I told us yesterday that the tower in every city actually speaks of the backing strength, the power that backs the whole city. So if that tower is broken, the city can be invaded by intruders. Good. And I told you that there are certain cities, when you visit those cities, there is no way you can destroy that city. You can't even kill a small boy walking on the streets because all of them are under the covering of a certain god or goddess. Until you deceive that god or goddess, there is nothing evil you can do to the town. That is why in the times of old, so long as the children of Israel were obeying the rules, the laws and the regulations of God, it was very difficult for any other nation to conquer them. But the moment they begin to go astray, the covering that God released on them loses. Can I open your eyes on something right now before I move forward? Good. Now let me tell you something. The entire Israel God released a strong prince that was standing behind them. And there was a reason why Israel was not being conquered by just anybody unless they have sinned against God. So long as Israel is doing the will of God, there is a strong covering. And that covering is the archangel Michael. Archangel Michael. When we read the book of Psalms, the word of the Lord told us that any time the children of Israel do something against the will of God, what happens in the spirit is that Michael will step back from the people. And the moment Michael steps back, an alarm will be sounded in a different nation that the covering of the Israelites have been broken. 
And when that happens, that nation will run and overtake the whole nation of Israel and take them into slavery. So Michael was actually the altar. Michael was the tower that was standing behind the children, the whole land of Israel. In fact, when you read the book of Joshua, the word of the Lord told us that a time came when Michael, in fact, when you study the scriptures, a lot of people mostly confuse the nature of Archangel Michael even with Jesus. Now, when you go to places like Jehovah's Witness, some of them even believe that Jesus is Archangel Michael, but that is not true. Archangel Michael is the warrior of the Lord. He is the one that stands in every battle. In fact, for the Lord to fight, anytime the Bible makes mention of the fact that the Lord is strong in battle, he is actually referring to the strength of Michael. So Michael was the one that was standing behind the children of Israel. The day that God said, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. Michael was the one who was supposed to make that word manifest. But anytime the children of Israel go against the laws of God, Michael will step back. I'm going to get a scripture for you in a short while. Then you will know. The moment Michael lifts his hand from Israel, any other nation can conquer. So Michael was actually the backing power and the strength. I remember I read a certain book where a man of God, the one that wrote the book, said he was in a vision when an angel of the Lord took him to the time when Jericho, the war of Jericho was broken. When the angel took him there, he saw the Israelites that have encamped around that wall. And as they were, they moved around it for seven days. And on the last day, the moment the children of Israel shouted, according to the vision that the prophet was in, when the Israelites shouted, he saw, whilst the Israelites were about to shout, God sent mighty angels. Mighty angels that Michael directed them. So they were actually standing around the wall of Jericho, holding it. So the moment the children of Israel shouted, these angels pulled down the wall of Jericho. So you see, it is not necessarily the sound and the shout that brought it down. There is something behind the scenes our eyes cannot see. That is why I always tell you this. There is always a spirit behind a word that makes the word come into the flesh. And I've been saying this, that even Jesus, the Bible says, the word became flesh. It is the spirit that causes the word to be made flesh. Without the spirit, the word is nothing. The word is just something we write and see without the spirit. So Isaiah said, when God was speaking, he said, my mouth has commanded these words and my spirit has gathered. So anytime God wants to create something, he speaks. Then when he speaks, his spirit will gather the words. And when the spirit of the Lord gathers the words, then we see the manifestation of it. 
So I made us have this understanding that there is always a tower that becomes the backing power and the strength of every city. And I told you the tragedy that Ghana is facing now, which I cannot go forward to say again today. May the Lord have mercy on our nation. Now, so I told you, the word of the Lord says something. In the book of Matthew, thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Help us. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Listen to what the Lord Jesus said. Matthew chapter 16. Verse 18. The Bible said, This is Jesus speaking, and he said, And I say unto you, unto you, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The gate, he said, and I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, put this at the back of your mind that hell has gates. Hell has gates. Hell has gates. Now, I want to show you something that Jacob also said. Many years ago, when God instructed Abraham to get out of his kindred, of his family and of his nation and go to a land that he will show him, the word of the Lord said, Abraham received the word of the Lord and moved. And whilst he was on his way, he got to a land, even though that was the land God was going to give. But Abraham was seeing something higher than just a physical land. Because the Bible said he, he was looking for a land whose architect and builder was God. And not necessarily a physical land. But we all know that anytime God gives a promise, he says that the natural first and the spiritual second. So the land that God actually promised the children of Israel through Abraham, they were supposed to receive it physically before we who are also part of the Israel of God, can receive that promise. So we that are, that are also part of the children of Israel, according to the faith we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, the promise is also unto us. But it is not about a physical land. It is about the Holy Ghost. Because the promise God was actually making to us and to the whole Israel was the Holy Ghost. Now, when Abraham got to the land, the Bible said he sojourned on the land. And when we speak of a sojourner, we are actually speaking of somebody who is going somewhere and has gotten to a place and tries to rest, thinking that is not the end or the destination. 
So when Abraham got to that place, the Bible said, he built an altar unto God. Then many, many, many years, like many, many, many years later, he gave birth to his son Isaac. Isaac gave birth to his sons Esau and Jacob. And the word of the Lord said, we all know, when Jacob took the blessing of Esau and Esau wanted to kill him, so he ran away. When Jacob was running away, he got to the same land that his grandfather built an altar upon. And when he got to that land, he was tired. So he took a stone like a pillow and slept on it. And the word of the Lord said, whilst he was sleeping, he had a night vision. And in the night vision, the heavens were open and there was a ladder. That was moving from the earth to the heavens and angels were ascending and descending on that ladder and God spoke from the heavenly realms and said this land on which you lie I will give to your descendants and the word of the Lord said the moment Jacob opened his eyes he said so God was here and I did not know therefore this place shall be called better because this is the gate of heaven. Genesis chapter 28 verse 17. Genesis chapter 28 verse 17. He said, and he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is the gate of heaven. We just understood in the book of Matthew 16 verse 18 that hell has gates. We also now understood that heaven has gates according to this scripture. So Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Mm. That means that the gate, the gates of hell are trying to overtake and overshadow the church. So what we are fighting is actually the gates of hell. And I'll take time. Um, we are not done with this teaching at all, I'm telling you. I'm going to take time. Today we are talking about the gates of Zion. And we started this yesterday. When I'm done, I'll talk about the gates of hell. So understand that. And understand that Zion is not necessarily heaven. Zion is in heaven. Are you getting the picture? So Zion is like the city of the living God. Where God himself dwells. Because there are dimensions and regions of heaven that you go, you will not see God. There is a place that God is in heaven. That place is called Zion. And we all know, according to the scriptures, how God took Moses into heaven and showed him Zion. And how Zion was a big city with wall around it and was having 10 gates, 10 gates. And God told Moses to come and build the same thing he has seen in heaven on the earth. And when Moses came, he joined hands 
with the children of Israel and they began to build. But after they had built it, a time came the children of Israel were worshipping other gods. God got angry and Michael, the covering and the backing power of the children of Israel lifted his hand of covering and a different country came to take all the Israelites into slavery. Now, before they could do that, they, they had to destroy the walls, they had to destroy the gate. It was in this period, whilst the children of Israel were in captivity, that a young man by name Nehemiah decided to go to his city and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, to rebuild the gates. And the Bible said, the favor of the Lord was upon him. So the king, under whose authority he was with the children of Israel, gave him cedars of Lebanon and even also gave him some laborers to go and help him. But when he was going, the word of the Lord said, Nehemiah, by the Spirit of God and by the revelational influence of God's power, he began to direct certain people on what to do. So, each of these gates, Nehemiah, by the influence and the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he chose particular people to build particular gates. Very, very prophetic and important. So when you read the book of Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 1, the word of the Lord said, Then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with the brethren, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. So understand that priests were the ones that built the sheep gate. And we understood a lot of things about the sheep gate and why it is called the sheep gate. We understood a lot of things about that. Now, the word Eliashib actually means restoration. Jehovah restores or God restores. Eliashib means God restores. That means once you get to the place of the sheep gate, everything you lost is restored unto you. Everything you lost. Because I told you yesterday that the sheep gate is the place of salvation where the believer is now getting saved. Now, if you are not yet saved, anything you do with your life becomes a minus to your destiny. So the enemy can use your life in a negative way and still, that is why many of us, before we got saved, we were doing anything so sleeping with people's wives, sleeping with people's husbands, stealing money anyhow, doing nonsense. Now we are saved. We want to marry. And marriage has become a little bit difficult because the enemy used that agenda and that avenue of you sleeping with somebody's wife as a legal evidence against your future marriage. So when your future marriage must be released, the enemy will now come and say, look at this woman, look at this young man that did this, that did this, that did this. This actually is going to be an evidence that this one should not get a good marriage. 
But when you come to the gate, the sheep gate, the Bible says that once you enter into the sheep gate through salvation, close to the sheep gate is the sheep market. And on the side of the sheep market is actually the pool of Bethesda. The pool of Bethesda. And the Bible says this pool has five porches. And we all know that the number five in biblical numerology actually speaks of grace. 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 Now, when you go into Hebrew studies, the Hebrew alphabet it is actually the same as the Hebrew numerals. So they don't have one, two, three, and A, B, C in Hebrew. The alphabets are the same as the numerals. So when you go into the Hebrew studies, the alphabet studies, you will understand that the fifth letter is called He, H-E-I, H-E-I, which means life. It means life. So the five punches actually speaks of life that a man receives. So the moment a man gets saved, the man is baptized in that river. And once you are baptized in the pool, baptism also is a sign of your death and resurrection with the Lord Jesus. So when you are deep into the pool, it means you are dead with Christ. The moment you come out, it means you have been resurrected. You, are now, you have now received eternal life. And I told you about the blood of sheep and all those things. I hope we all got that yesterday. Good. So please, if you were not here yesterday, you can go and download um, the sermon. You will be so blessed. Alright, now let's move forward. But first understand that the sheep gate was built by priests. Very, very important. The sheep gate was built by priests. It, because it takes only a priest to present the blood of the Lamb to the altar for your salvation to be approved. It takes only a priest to present the blood of a sheep or the blood of the lamb to the altar for your salvation to be approved. So put that in the back of your mind. Now the second gate in Zion that a believer enters is called the fish gate. The fish gate. The fish gate. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 3. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 3. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 3. Somebody should post it quickly and let's move. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 3. Let's go. The Bible said, the sons of Hasena built the fish gate. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. The sons of Hasena. 
Now, the word Hasena actually means tongues. Nkase, nkase. Tongues. That means that once a believer gets saved, you come to a place where you are going to experience a lot of tongues. Let me take my time and explain what it means. The fish gate. Now understand that in biblical typology and the apocalyptic languages in scripture, a fish actually stands for a soul. Soul, S-O-U-L. Kra. So the Bible said, Jesus said something profound to Peter in the book of Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 and 19. He said, while walking by the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Now, verse 19, he said, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishes of men. I will make you fishes of men. Now, in biblical Apocalyptic language. When I'm when I'm talking talking about apocalyptic languages, that is what I'm trying to see. When you read the book of Revelations, the book of Daniel, you see those kind of books that speaks much more of prophecies and all those kind of things. There is a certain language. It is known as apocalyptic language, and that language we don't take it literally, else you will miss a lot. So most of the times, the Bible will speak of the fact that. Well, in apocalyptic languages, certain things do not mean the way we see them to be. In, in apocalyptic language, see, S-E-A, is a symbol of the world. The world. So when the moment Jesus saw Peter and Andrew casting a net into the sea, his actual eyes were open to see that these guys are going to be fishes of men now in the sense that they are the net actually is the gospel they are preaching to the people and when they throw they preach the gospel to the world the world is the sea and in the world are souls that those are the fishes so when you cast the net into the sea you will get a fish and that fish is a soul But understand that these fishes, we are actually going to keep them. Mm. Are you following? Good. Now, with the understanding and the prophetic insight of God himself, when God sees a fish, there is something that he sees about the fish. So I told you that a fish is a soul. And understand that all souls are not the same. 
to the various kinds of fishes in the sea. Now, God wants every fish to turn into a particular kind of fish. That means no matter who you are, once you are saved and brought into Christ, God wants you to be to become a particular kind of person. So God told the children of Israel the type of fishes they were not supposed to eat and the type of fishes they were supposed to eat. So when we read the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 11 verse 9, Leviticus chapter 11 verse 9, let's listen to what the Lord said. Then after that we move to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 10. First, let's read something from Leviticus chapter 11, verse 9. The Lord said, These you may eat of all that are in the waters, everything in the waters that has fins and scales. Everything in the waters that has fins and scales, whether in the seas or in the rivers, you may eat. So you see, God is actually speaking of a particular kind of soul that he wants and he's speaking of them that have fins and skills so god said if you catch any fish that does not have skills on its body and does not have fins don't eat it deuteronomy chapter 14 verse 10 says and whatever does not have fins and skills you shall not eat it is unclean for you mm. <laughs> this one does not mean stop eating Fishes that the, you have to start seeing things from the spirit realm perspective. God will see something heavier than what we are seeing. It's not, it's not like hey, don't don't chew salmon. So, okay, now we eat salmon again. Why don't you eat? The Bible said we should not eat. Eat the Bible. No, relax. You need to have understanding. Sometimes God will say certain things. If you don't have understanding into them, you start destroying yourself. People said in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 5, God says a woman should not wear a man's clothes and a man should not wear a woman's clothes. So if you're a woman and you wear trousers, you are going to hell. I just don't know what to say. If you look at the time God spoke that word, and the audience or the recipients of that word, there was nothing like trouser even at that time. There was nothing like trouser even at that time. But there was a clear difference between a woman's clothing and a man's clothing. There was not trouser. It's not about trouser thing. That does not mean that any man of God that tells you if you are not, if you are wearing trousers as a lady, you go to hell. That does not mean that man too is fake. You need to come to a place where you, you have a lot of understanding about things. Good. What is the motive behind you wearing trousers? That's most important. Because there are some of you young ladies. You wear trousers only to pack your bottles at the back. Like something you are like, like coconut in a sack. Don't know who you are, who you are, who you are going to say. Don't know about 
everything. Amen. Okay, Amen. Today, I think the anointing of Prophet Kofi Ujo has come upon me. They are going somewhere, and some may come here. What be in our crowd they do? Yeah. All right. God bless you. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. Okay. So, why is God telling the people of Israel that the fish that has fins and scales, those are the fishes you are supposed to eat. But the ones that do not have scales and do not have fins, don't eat them. If you go much into oceanology and study more into marine science, you'll understand why God is even seeing all these things. But let me take my time and open our eyes on this shortly. Now, the fish is speaking of a soul. So if you are a soul that God delights in, you should have certain two abilities and two characters. Now, these two characters, one is that you must have a thing. Then you must have a skill. So most of us have seen, especially the... Um, when the fishermen go to um, the sea and they bring fishes to the women, when the women take the fishes, they, they take knife and they begin to scratch the skin of the, of the fish and some things will begin to fall off. See those round, round things? They look like glass. Those things are known as scales. Now, the scale is a protective covering of the fish so now you can see a fish every fish that has scales when it is in a salty water it can be in that salty water for 50 years when you pick the fish out of the salty water you can taste the, the skin of that fish immediately you have taken it from the the, um, the sea water still that fish will not taste salty. Mm. So the scales of that fish prevent the fish. I said, if you pick a fish that has scales from a salty water, no matter how long that fish has been in that salty water, when you pick it from the salty water and taste the skin with your tongue, at that very moment, it will not taste salty. Because the scales actually protect that fish. It will be in that environment and still will not be like the environment. No wonder the Bible said, Brethren, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. God is looking for a soul that he will send to this world, this world of evil, this world of temptations, this world of troubles, this world of sin. God is sending souls to that world that will be in the world and still 
will not be sinful. Are you following? So a soul that will be in the world and still not be worldly, that is the soul God is looking for. Then the second one, the things. The things. You see, most of the times when you pick a fish, there is something on the jaw, on the jaw side, right and left, that the women will normally use their knife to take it out. Uh-huh. When they take that thing out, they can now put their finger in, in that area and pull out anything they want to pull out. That which they take out of the jaw area is called the fin. Now, what the fin does is that when this, the fish is in the river, you know, the rivers have actually what, have what they call the waves or the tides. The waves or the tides are actually the movement, the moving force of the river or the sea. So there is a point where the river will be moving according to a certain force to the north. And if that is not where the fish wants to go, it is only the things that the fish can use to navigate. So whilst the force of the river is pushing it towards the north, it can open its fins and use it to move around the force and still go to where it has planned to go. So God is looking for souls that in the midst of troubles, in the midst of storms, in the midst of the turbulences of this world, they will still navigate their way to where God has destined them to be. So any fish that is with skills and things, they are very interesting when you find them in the sea. They look different. In fact, other fishes are afraid of them. So, when you come to the place of the fish gate, God now tells you to be someone that will be a fisher of men. And when we speak of a fisher of men, we are actually speaking of someone that has gone to the field to save souls. So the Bible says, Saviors shall come out of Mount Zion. Saviors shall come out of Mount Zion. In the book of Obadiah, Are you following? Good. So once you are saved at the sheep gate, God takes you through a process and brings you to the fish gate where he changes you to be someone that will go and be a fisher of men. Now, from that place, you move to the next gate known as the old gate. 
the old gate. O L D gate. Now, when we read the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3, verse 6. Hmm. Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 6. The Bible said, Jorida, the son of Pasia, and Meshulam, the son of Besodea, repaired the gate of Yeshana. They laid its beams and set its doors, its bolts and its bars. The King James says that. And next, he said, moreover, the old gate, the old gate, the old gate repaired Jehodiah, the son of Pasia, and Meshulam, the son of Besodea. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. Now, when you check the word Jehodiah, it actually means Jehovah knows. Jehovah knows. Can you all hear me, please? Good. So the old gate, the Bible said, the old gate was built by the sons of Jehodiah. And I said, Jehodiah means Jehovah knows. Jehovah knows. Now, why it is called an old gate is because that is the place where a lot of the patriots have their works recorded. So as a believer, once you get to the place, it means you are not supposed to go against the ancient landmarks that have been marked by the forefathers. It is the place of the fathers. It is the place we get to where we begin to get the knowledge of the fathers. So when we read the book of 1 John chapter 2 verse 14 1 John chapter 2 verse 14 Listen to what the Bible said. First John chapter 2, verse 14. The Bible said, I write to you, fathers, because you know him. So you see, 
the fathers have a certain knowledge. That is why the old gate is the gate of the fathers. It is the gate of the ancient patriarchs that which the fathers have done. And that place we go there to glean knowledge. Because the fathers have known the Lord from the beginning. So any believer that throws away fatherhood has missed something heavy. Because you can't pass through the gate of Zion and go to God when you don't pass through the area of the old gate. Because you that you call yourself new understand that the old was before the new came. Are you following? No wonder the one that built the old gate, his name means Jehovah knows. There is a knowledge that we need at that place. So the Bible said in the book of Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 and 29. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 28 and 29. The Bible said, do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. Don't do that. Do you see a man skillful in his work? That word skillful is the word diligence. Do you see a man diligent in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. That means one way to be diligent in your work is for you not to throw away the ancient landmark. So in this month of spiritual diligence, I pray for somebody. You will stand before kings in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. You will stand, you will not stand before obscure men. You will stand before kings in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So if you are here, nobody corrects you, you don't have any father that speaks to you about decisions you are supposed to take, you think you are on your own, you are better than anybody, be careful. No matter the anointing, the grace, the gift that you carry, there is something a father knows you do not know. Because to them, they have known God from the beginning. They have known Him from the beginning. When you look at some of the sacrifices our forefathers sacrificed before God, many of us can't even get close to it. We just can't get close to it. We just can't get close to it. Some of them have come this far because of heavy and weightier sacrifices. You have no idea. But some of us want to achieve what they have achieved. You just want to use two years to achieve everything your father has achieved. Be careful.
Now let me touch on the next gate is the valley gate. The valley gate. The valley gate. And the word of the Lord said in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 13 Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 13 The Bible said The Bible said in the book of Nehemiah chapter 3 verse 13, Hanun and the inhabitants of Zanwa repaired the valley gate. They rebuilt it and set its doors, its bones and its bars and repaired a thousand cubits of the wall as far as the dung gate. Oh! <laughs> Hanun and the inhabitants of Zanwa Now, the word Hanun, the name Hanun actually means gracious. Gracious, to be gracious unto some, to show grace. But, when you look at the gate that Hanun built. The gate is called valley, the valley gate. Now when you check the word valley over there, the root word is actually the word geva, which means to lift up. To lift up. But literally when you hear, and you hear the word valley, does it not sound like something that is like a steep so why is it that the the root meaning of that word valley in hebrew actually means a lifting up no wonder the word of the lord said when all men say there is a cast down then you shall see there is a lifting up. You need to get to a place in your walk with God when you hit the valley gate. That is when David will say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. The presence of the Lord with a man is the sign of God's graciousness to that man. It is in the valley that we find God's grace. And it is in that valley we find the lifting up. Because without the grace of God, nobody can be lifted. So you will get to a point where physically everything will, will go negative. Everything will start going wrong. You need that gate. You need it because it is in that period where things are going wrong. That is where your lifting is. Because nobody goes high. 
until the person has gone down. Once you go down, that is when you are preparing yourself to jump high. Are you following? Good. So the valley gate is a place where God will humble his people. That is the place where after you have won souls for the Lord, after you have gone through the Father's knowledge about the Lord, you have not thrown away the ancient landmarks, you have followed everything, you come to a place where it will look like trouble becomes your second name. You pass here, there is trouble. You pass here, there is trouble. You pass here, there is trouble. The trials become plenty. It is in that period God is preparing to lift you. Many people get to that gate and they turn back. They just stand. I can't allow this whole trouble to come upon me. They look at that which is happening. Because the moment you enter into the valley gate, you are getting close to the gate we call the dang gate. The dang gate. And in fact, that word dang means rubbish <laughs> or filled. Rubbish or filled. Now, the question you ask yourself why are all these parts of the gate of Zion? Where is the believer going? Where is the believer going that he has to pass through the valley gate and also pass through the dang gate? The dang gate is where it looks like you have been disgraced already. And in fact, everybody passed through it, every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at their lives. Some of us will look at ourselves, we will know that we have not even started the fish gate dimension. We have not even won one soul for Christ. We have not gone anywhere. We are still standing at the sheep gate. Hmm. Good. Now let me touch on this one and um, I will open the platform for, for questions so that um, understanding will come to many of us through the access. Yet though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. Thou art with me. The Lord will be with you in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. 
And no matter what you will go through, the gracious Lord will cause you to be lifted. In the moment of your valley experience, the Lord will lift you up. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you all hear me, please? All right, great. Now, with this basic understanding, I've already told you this, that the gates of hell are trying to frustrate, to fight the gates of Zion. So there is a specific gate of hell that is trying to fight a specific gate of Zion. So every gate that you get to and the attacks that will come from the gates of hell against you. Are you following? And I told you this, that when you are at the gate of when you are the sheep gate, the serpent knows that when it bites you, it will not be able to get you. So the serpent side of the gate of hell will not fight you at the sheep gate. There is a dimension of the gate of hell that will fight you at the sheep gate. Because I told you this, that the greatest asset of the sheep is the ability to hear the shepherd's voice and obey so the greatest attack of the enemy against someone at the sheep gate is to stop the person's ears from hearing the voice of the shepherd and from obeying so once your obedience is hijacked there is no way that is why the bible said today as you have heard his voice harden not your heart because it is the hardening of a man's heart that stops his ears from hearing. And once your ears don't hear, you can't obey. Because obedience is actually the secondary level of the primary level called hearing. You cannot obey until you have heard. Good. May the Lord help us and grant us divine grace in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. All right. All right. So we are going to end here today and take few questions. If there is any question you want to ask, pertaining to this sermon or any other 
biblical question you have you want to ask it from the spirit realm from the things of god anything anything just anything but be spiritual you are some of you when you hear anything ah Okay, someone said, Daddy, please, with the gates, is it possible for a believer to jump gates? It is not possible. It is not possible. Because you are going somewhere. So you need to pass through all these gates. It depends on the way you are, you are yielded to God. You can stand at one gate for the rest of your life and die. To so all these gates... Where you get to and die determines the reward you receive from the Lord. Yes. And it is the, that is why the enemy has released attacks. That is why the enemy has released attacks. So that if you are at one gate and you are supposed to move to the next one, you will release strong attacks that you will not get there. Because the more you are going through these gates, the more you are receiving strength to overpower the enemy and his gates. Are you following? Yeah. Good. So any any other question? Someone said, please, what is the last gate? The last gate is the Mefkat gate. The Mefkat gate. And the word Mefkat means to command. Hmm. At that point you have become a commander. A troop will serve under you. My dear, listen to me. It takes sacrifice to get to that. Many people get, especially the area, the gate of the valley and the dark gate. My God. It will purify you. The dark gate is even worse. If you have not yet gone through that, pray to God that it should give you the strength to walk through all these dimensions. Someone said, please, Papa, please, I want to confirm something concerning fish, meaning life as you, 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 you teach or which Since my childhood, anytime I dream about anyone at, at all holding fish or taking a live fish in the dream, that that person in no time gets pregnant till now it happens yes it is a sign of a soul you need to understand that human soul in the spirit speaks of a fish can stand for the human soul to understand that all right great any other question
any other question. I know that many of you have questions. Ask him. Ask. Ask and it shall be given to you. Someone said, how long does it take in the gift? It depends on your own life. How you work with the Holy Spirit. That one beer. There's no years. God will not say, oh, you need five years. To... No, 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 no. It depends on how you yield yourself to the Holy Ghost and to the voice of the Spirit. Okay, could you say, Papa, please, Papa, kindly explain to me what five means in the spiritual world. You know, numerology have different meanings in different regions of the spiritual world. Are you getting it? Because that, that is why if you can go and um, study or go and listen to my message on the spirit realm, you will learn a lot because the spiritual world is not just like one big place like Ghana. No, 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 no. There are regions, dimensions, realms in that world. And every it is like you can come to Ghana here. When you go to the northern sector, you see that the way of life is very different from when you come to the central region. Everything looks different. Meanwhile, they are in the same Ghana. So when you go to the northern sector, life might mean something different to the ones in the central sector. You get it? Good. So number five, that is why when you bring the number five in the area of um, spiritual numerology in the biblical context, that is what, what it means, grace and life. Okay. I don't know if you get it, because I don't know if you're getting it. Good. So in biblical context, the number five is a, is a symbol of grace and life. Alright, the captain said, Daddy, please, how is the two fishes on the zodiac related to the fish gate? Oh no, they are not related. They are not related at all. Yeah, they are not related. Because the fish gate is a kingdom. It is actually God's Zion gate. They are not related. Okay, Eric said, Please, what is the difference between sin, iniquity, transgression, and trespass? I know you have, I think somebody has asked this question before. Now, all these are, if you want to understand them, you need to go to the courtroom. Because I can't give you normal English definitions. You will, you will never understand. Are you getting it? You need to, because you need to understand these things from the courtroom perspective. Now, most of the times, there is a way that God has set things to be. Once you go against that way, you miss a lot. Because there are different meanings to these words. If you look at the word iniquity, for example, in the Bible, in the book of Psalm 14, verse 4. Psalm 14, verse 4. The Bible said, Have all the workers of iniquity no knowledge, 
who eat up my people and they eat bread and call not upon the Lord. He said, all the people, all the workers of iniquity, they have no knowledge. You see, when we even look at this one, it speaks of, it says that they are evil doers. Now, when you check the word iniquity in Psalm 14, verse 4, it is actually the word avil. Avil, which means wickedness. Wickedness, idolatry. So it speaks actually of, this one is speaking specifically of those that are worshipping idols. They are wicked men. They eat the human flesh. That is iniquity right there. But when we read the book of Psalm 25 verse 11, Psalm 25 verse 11, the Bible said, For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. This is David speaking. Now, David is not somebody that is into idolatry. But he also made mention of iniquity. And that word iniquity there, when you look at the, the root word, it is actually the word ava, which means to distort. To distort, to go out of the way. To bend. So there is a specific way that you are supposed to pass through. But once you bend to the other side, you have committed iniquity. You get it? So iniquity actually in this context will mean that going outside the path of righteousness. So if you go outside the path of righteousness, it means... And the more you go outside, you see, let's say you are going, um, the Lord told you to go straight and you just took a left turn. How long you go on that um, left turn will determine how strong your iniquity is. That is why David said, my iniquity is great. So there are dimensions even of iniquity. And when you continue bearing in iniquity, you hit a point where you come to a place called apostasy. Apostasy. Where you begin to reject God. Are you, are you getting it? Good. Good. Exactly. Now, so that is iniquity. Going outside the original path you are supposed to walk through. And the word trespass actually also means that you have crossed over something. So it's like you are trying to jump the process to a place. You see, you are supposed to pass through something, but you decided to move over the thing. So you have trespassed. Don't go here. But what what prohibit? Uh-huh, I don't know if you are getting what I'm trying to say. So the word of the Lord said in the book of Joshua chapter 23, verse 16, said, When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed yourself to them, 
then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly and from off the good land which ye have ye have given unto you. So you see, the Lord told you, don't go here, but you have gone there. So going to the place God has told you not to go is a transgression. Moving away from the path God has told you to go is iniquity. I don't know if you are getting the point. So God said, do not worship any other God apart from me. If you do so, you have transgressed. It means you have crossed over the boundary God set for you to the other end he told you not to go. Are you getting it? Good. Good. Now, when it comes to the word trespass, trespass, trespass actually is also speaking of what we call rebellion. It can also be another word for transgression. Because in all, you will move beyond something. But when it comes to the area of trespass, the Bible said in the book of Genesis chapter 31 verse 36, he said, And Jacob was wroth and called with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Why is my trespass? He said, What is my trespass? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Exodus 22 verse 9 says, For all manner of trespass, whether it be for ox, for ass, for sheep, for raiment, or for any manner of lost thing, which another challenged to be his, the cause of both parties shall come before the judges. You see, the word trespass there actually is the word rebellion. And I told you about rebellion, that when a man gets to a point where he passes through the way of iniquity, and I told you iniquity means going outside the path of righteousness. The more you go deep on the wrong road, the more you go away from the Lord. And the more you go away from the Lord, you hit a place called apostasy. And another word for apostasy actually speaks of trespass. That is rebellion. You begin to hate God. Are you getting it? Good. Exactly. You begin to hate God. And sin is just something simple that you need to understand. Sin means to miss the mark. So you are going to something you did not get there. You have missed the mark. There is a mark for you to get to, but you did not get to that mark. That is sin. I will take time and explain all these things in the courtroom setting. And maybe God willing, next week, next week we are going to talk about the court of heaven.
the court of heaven. I'll bring all these things and um, the Lord is going to help us. What will we handle all these things? Yeah, it's going to be an awesome moment. It's going to be an awesome moment. Yeah. Alright, he said, please I have another question. What exactly is the glory of God? The glory of God is many things. Eh? <laughs> I mean many things. But when you go before God, and you ask of God, you ask God, God, what is your glory? He will say, Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? Are you getting what I'm saying? Can you all hear me, please? Good. So I said, the glory of God is many things. But when you go to heaven and you meet God and you ask God, God, what is your glory? God will say, Jesus. In simple terms, the glory of God actually means God manifesting himself. God manifesting himself. That is the simple definition of the glory of God. God manifesting himself. Because until God manifests himself, Nobody will know him. That is why in heaven there was a dimension of God known as the word. Because God wanted the world to know him. He sent that word. And when that word was coming, the word had to become flesh. So that we can now see. And the moment the word became flesh, the Bible said, we beheld his glory. So the glory actually speaks of God manifesting himself. The moment the word became flesh, we beheld the glory of God. <coughs> Are you getting it? So the glory of God actually means the expression, the manifestation of God. And it happens in so many ways. But the original embodiment of God's glory is Jesus. When we read the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, the word of the Lord told us. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. The Bible says that when we read from verse 1, the Bible says, God, who has sundry times and in diverse manners speak in time past, unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he had appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds understand that the bible is talking about the son of god right now verse 3 the bible said who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person so jesus is actually the one expressing the person of god so if you see jesus that is how god is because he's an expression, a manifestation of God. And that is the glory of God. 
That is why, even in your own life, if you do anything that expresses God, that thing can be termed as the glory of God. So we do all things to give glory to God. It means we do everything to express God. Everything we do should be an expression that there is a God that exists. Are you following? Good. So simply, that is what it means. Alright, great. Someone said, please, what is the difference between vision and dreams? Oh, it's so simple. In dreams, dreams you sleep before you see. Visions, you are awake, then you see. Are you getting it? I think many people have asked other questions that I did not see. Please, if you have asked any question that I did not see, kindly um, let me know. So that I can, you can um, resend your questions so that I can help with the answer by especially Oh, I forgot to, Jerry, I have to, I have to do that teaching on angels. In fact, that, that teaching, if I when the Lord opened my eyes to experience this, it, it really changed me. My God. That is when God showed me who Lucifer actually was. The guy had a bigger place. I'm telling you, the Bible calls him the anointed cherub. The anointed cherub. The anointed cherub. And the word anointed actually means when we read the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that God anointed Jesus Christ with the oil of gladness above his companions. Above his companions. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 9. The Bible said, You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. That is why God, your God, anointed you rather than your companions with the oil of gladness. And I told us that the word gladness actually means excitement. And if you really want to understand the word excitement, you have to go into chemistry. In chemistry, we call something that a certain electron has been lifted to an excited state. For something to be excited means that the thing has been lifted from the normal level where it is lying to a higher place. So when you move from one to five, you are excited. That is what it means. And what causes a man to be moved from one to five without his natural effort is called the anointing. So if you are a cherub and you are anointed, you have been lifted above the cherub, all the other cherubic beings. You have been lifted above them. So the anointing has differentiated you from your companions, the cherubim. 
And when you move from the cherubic order in the angelic hierarchy, the next dimension you are moving into is the seraphim. So Lucifer was the only angelic being that had the ability of a cherub and the ability of a seraph. The ability of a cherub and the ability of a seraph. Now, when you check the word seraphim, the word seraph in the in in the um, the root word of the word seraph in Hebrew, it actually means a serpent. <laughs> so you see, this guy called Lucifer. That is where he got his serpentic. <laughs> and let me tell you, even Jesus, a time came, he became a serpent. You have to understand that. A time came in the in the wilderness when the children of Israel sinned against God. The Bible said God commanded serpents. God commanded serpents to come into the camp of the Israelites and they began to bite them. They began to bite them. Then, when they were dying, God instructed Moses again, build another serpent. Make it a brass, a, a bronze serpent and hang it on a pole so that he, that will look on that serpent will receive life. Mm, what does that mean? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now the Bible said in John chapter 3 verse 14, Jesus is now telling us in the book of John chapter 3 verse 14, he said, And as Moses lifted the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. As Moses lifted the serpent, that others looked on him and received life. So will the Son of Man be lifted. So what Jesus was trying to say was that I was the serpent that Moses hanged on the pole. And now I am hanging on the cross. If you look unto me, you will have eternal life. Are you following Good. So, so get that. I will surely teach on the, the, the angelic. I will surely make time and teach on that. And the Lord will help us in telling me. And most of the things I will teach, some of them are straight from the scriptures. Some of them too. For you to even understand it in the scriptures, you, you would need like four years. Because it will be there, Papa, you, you will not be able to see. Because not all the angels in heaven have their names in the Bible. And every angel's assignment is in the name and the garment that it wears. 
the name and the garment. The name and the garment. Very, very, very important. I mean very, very important. Because many of you think that all angels were white. It is not true. Not, there are angels because they don't have clothes like the normal ones that we see. Most of the prophetic angels are the ones that wear the long white raiment. It is called white linen. L-I-N-E-N. Linen. Linen. Very, very important. When I'm talking about the angelic, I will make time and teach on the linen. Yes, the tunic actually speaks of what we call a fabric, you know, fabric, like material. So the word tunic actually is speaking of a material in general. And yeah, so that is, please, are the angels who were black? I saw one who was wearing black and he was bowed and he was doing healing. Oh, plenty angels. Plenty angels have different um, assignments, and the assignment you see an angel manifesting is most of the times found in the garment they wear and in their names. Now, some of them, when you meet them, the garment they are wearing, you will not even know the assignment given to them until they mention their names to you. That black angel, in fact, that angelic beings, black, some of them can have dreadlocks. Especially those on the side of Michael, the archangelic ones, very strong, take tall. If you see one, you fall down. Because if you see one, you fall down deep. Because they come with a certain presence. When Michael is coming, Michael actually is the manifestation of the wrath of God. Michael is activated. So Michael is the one that fulfills the wrath of God. And when he's coming, you don't joke with Michael at all. I mean, not at all. Not at all. He did do Michael and the kind of wind that will be blowing before him and the angelic host that will be with him. Who are you to eat? Ah, may the Lord help us. It will be very difficult for you to look at Michael. I mean, very difficult. Very, very difficult. And you see how thick, tall Michael is. You see Michael like 15 feet standing tall. (laughs) 
Exactly. Michael moves. Any, you see, there are elements. When God is angry, when God is angry, there are certain elements in the heavens that begin to add themselves. Smoke. Smoke. Fire. In itself. Thunder. Enlightening. There are other elements, but these elements, when God gets angry, when God, when God is actually wrath against anything, everything begin, everything that is good begins to turn in a way that will suit the anger of God. Yes. Don't worry. There are angels that were made specifically to express God's anger. And those are the warriors. That is why you need to know how these angels were made. And when I'm talking about the angelic, I will take time. Where, how did God create angels? Because how he created them determines what they have been called to do and how he's going to adorn them with their elements. How did God create the angels? When you get to know this, you know that in the, in the realm of the heavens, there are particular groups. There are groupings of angels. I'm telling you, groupings. Plenty groups. In fact, some of them are not called angels. We will take time and explain why um, the 24 elders are not angels. Why um, that some of these beings in heaven, they are not angels. 24 elders, they are not angels. Cherubim, they are not angels. Seraphim, they are not angels. That is their name. Cherubim, Seraphim. When we speak of angels as in angels, 99.9% of angels don't have wings. Someone said, can a human tend to be an angel? No. But in the sight of God and in the hands of God, it can be possible for only God's own reason. Yes, an angel means a messenger. But no, this one he said, can a human turn? So he's speaking of, you have changed from a human being to an angelic being. That is not like you are having um, an angelic title as in a messenger. No, because everybody that God has sent is an angel. We all were sent with a message. So, so long as you have a message for a particular group of audience, then you are an angel, you are a messenger. But can the human body change to an angelic body? It is possible only in the sight of God. If only it is the body, fine. But you can become an angel. You can be like, but not be an angel. Are you getting the picture? And anytime we speak of likeness, we are talking about functions. You can function like an angel, but you are not an angel. <laughs> I don't want to talk about this one. Someone said, please, we have angels again. Oh, I'm an angel. Don't you know? I have a message for you. I'm a messenger. I'm an angel. 
but there is no human being that has become an angel as in God has changed him from human to an angel and he's still among us it is possible God can do that I beg nobody should mention anybody's name here I beg this altar is to um, declare the mind of God Mm -hmm. so please I beg All right, may the Lord help us. God bless you, people of God. Our time is up. We are going to meet this night for priesthood time at exactly 12 a.m. GMT. Okay, there is a... Papa, please, I have a question. In the book of Daniel, he keeps saying, one like the son of man. What did he mean? Because there was an ancient... An instant he referred to one as an angel and at the same time referred to the other as one like the son of man. When he speaks of the Son of Man, we all know he's actually speaking of Jesus Christ. Yes. The Lord Jesus. And I will, I will take time, honestly, I will take time and go through all the... We talk about the sons of God. We talk about the 72 princes. All these things are part of the angelic hierarchy that we need to... That is why this teaching, if I don't teach, I've, I've done something bad to all of you. You need to find me and beat me. So please, and if you want to beat me to come in, may the Lord help all of us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We are going to meet this night at exactly 12 a.m. GMT. Please make sure you join us as we fire prayer. God bless you. Keep supporting God's work. The number is 0240312551. God bless you. And keep all of you strong. We shall meet this night. Shalom. Bye-bye.